0: So how are we all doing? Are there any Texas Aggies in here? I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> mm. Nobody knew I was going to do that. No, I didn't. Those Aggies, that's great. All right. I'm Mark, and this is Nancy. Thank you for being here tonight. I am an 8 on the Enneagram.
1: I am a nine on the Enneagram.
0: I am on Lombardi time, five minutes early.
1: I have struggled in my past with being on time.
0: I am decisive.
1: I struggle with decisions.
0: I am organized.
1: I struggle with being organized.
0: (laughs) I am focused and intense.
1: (laughs) I struggle with ADD.
0: I'm a business person.
1: I am a musician.
0: We are really different. I come from a family with seven kids. My father was a pastor and did furniture upholstery as a side job to support his family. I became a Christian at an early age around daily morning family devotions. My family was very poor. My father struggled with depression my, my, and was detached from me. I don't recall one significant emotional connection with him. My mom was very busy with the upholstery business and taking care of our large family. I learned early on that if life was going to work, I had to make it happen and not to depend on anyone and instead be self-sufficient.
1: I grew up in a secure church-going family with seemingly no issues with one brother in Lincoln, Nebraska. My parents were good people and provided well for us. But betraying a good family image was subtly emphasized. I remember longing for my dad's attention, yet continually being disappointed. I began believing I wasn't special to him. I felt controlled by my mom. As a result, I was protected from dealing with some of life's realities. These patterns contributed to issues of low self-esteem, perfectionism, and people pleasing. I was a rule follower got good grades, had friends, and did my part to maintain the family image. The message that I was a good girl stuck. As a girl musician, I developed an escape world, however, which included role-playing as symphony conductor and seeing the movie Camelot nine times. Little did I know the dangers Satan was drawing me into. I came to Christ in the ninth grade, After seeing the movie, The Cross and the Switchblade, where I saw the power of Christ to change lives, I wanted to know that Savior more. I assumed, however, if I participated in Christian activities, I was good, not understanding that being a Christian was also about a relationship with Christ. In high schools, my accomplishments in music began to be a part of my sense of significance and recognition.
0: I attended a Bible school in 1969, that's how old I am, Uh, in England, which taught me good theology. Then I spent two years in the the United States Army, while being involved heavily in the navigator ministry, where I grew spiritually. After the Army, I attended and graduated from California University, then moved to Dallas to attend Dallas Theological Seminary, and I attended a good Bible church, where I met Nancy. Nancy.
1: Mark was different from anyone I'd met, and I liked that. He was down-to-earth, transparent, and didn't play games, which I liked. Things progressed quickly, but we had conflict early on, which I didn't know how to handle. I would end up stuffing my emotions. Mark wanted to move toward marriage. I wasn't sure, and I struggled with being honest. We married in 1985 here in Dallas.
0: Look at those young kids. We had no idea what we were in for.
1: (laughs) I struggled with whether I'd made the right decision. But I decided to just enjoy the wedding day, that everything would work out. My fantasy thinking showing up. As we began our marriage, I was driven to control Mark's appearance and image, just like my family did. We had three boys within three and a half years, which detracted us from our relational issues.
0: Look at those guys. Those were great days. In 1990, I started my own business in Montego Bay, Jamaica, and I would travel a lot. Nancy struggled at home alone with the kids, and I would often come home from a long, stressful week on the road and be critical of what seemed like Nancy's inability to manage the home and kids. I was not aware that Nancy struggled with ADD and how that affected her ability to function. Often, I would come home from a trip, observe the household, and I'd get angry and contemptuous towards her.
1: Many times, the things we crave when we're young end up being the things we crave or demand as an adult. I didn't talk to Mark about how he affected me. He then sold his business, and we moved to Bartlesville, Oklahoma to be near family. Initially, I struggled with depression, being organized, and was diagnosed with adult ADD. The city had a rich arts culture. I began being recruited for music projects in the city. I was feeling disapproval and pressure from Mark at home in handling the house and kids, so these opportunities felt like salve on a wound as our relational struggles continued. I was being appreciated and recognized by others. I would pull away emotionally from Mark, and we wouldn't talk about the real issues we were facing. People-pleasing is really a fear of man. I was functioning out of this rather than looking toward God for my sense of security and confidence. I began minimizing red flags, was trying to please others, and crossed the line into an emotional emotional affair with a staff member of our church. I thought I could ignore what I had done and that it wouldn't affect our marriage. Mark's and my conflicts increased when our boys entered adolescence. I tried to hang in there with Mark during conflict, but would give up most of the time and emotionally quit. Resentment began to build in me, but I chose to brush it aside and instead look forward to things outside of our marriage
0: I was pulling away. In 2000, I started another company, also in Montego Bay, Jamaica, which also required a lot of traveling. I liked being home for our boys' sports activities and boy scouting events. In the truth, my boys were the most important things to me. Nancy and I were slowly pulling away from each other, and we did not enjoy being together. But I really enjoyed building my new business, and I liked traveling to get away from her. I loved being in a nice hotel, ordering room service, and watching Monday night football. Nancy didn't seem to care. I was gone. Musical performance seemed to be her first love, and we had huge conflicts because things didn't seem to get done around the house. I did not know what to do to fix things. Mm -hmm. We sought help from three different marriage counselors. Feeling in despair, I would often turn to pornography, stay at home, at the office late, rather, watch a lot of TV and other uh, maneuvers to avoid her. I was angry. I knew something was wrong. One night I got out of bed, very troubled, I gazed out the darkness in the backyard and said to myself, I give up on this marriage.
1: Our interactions continued to be challenging. I denied the reality of what I was feeling about our marriage and did nothing about it. I was craving relief but thought I was getting it in healthy ways by pouring into people and our community. Instead of talking to God about it, I sought escape routes that led me to a dark place. In the fall of 2007, while Mark was on a trip, I ignored red flags and thought I thought I was invincible to certain sin. After all, I was a good girl. Because of my ongoing struggle or unwillingness to say no to others, I crossed a boundary and had an affair. The guilt was overwhelming. I didn't tell Mark, thinking I could handle it on my own and that it wouldn't happen again. David writes in Psalm 42. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long.
0: While we were on vacation in Jamaica, I found out about the adultery. There's no way to describe the, the tremendous hurt I felt. As we d- departed Montego Bay, I remember begging God to just let the plane crash into the ocean. We got back home, we separated. The boys and I struggled with our new reality, wrestling with intense anger and depression. At night, in an effort to try and soothe my deep pain, I would go to my room and drink wine and watch pornography. I wanted to die. Weeks later, I woke up one morning and realized I needed a change. I started reading my Bible and began crying out to God in very deep, tearful prayers. I didn't want anything to do with Nancy. In fact, it's hard to be honest, but I hated her, even though I was a Christian. My desire to divorce her conflicted with what I believed about God, his sovereignty, and that nothing is out of his control Including this mess.
1: We were separated, just trying to hang on to life. We began trying to restore our marriage. Denial can be a pretty thick fog to cut through. I wasn't being honest to myself about the reality of my thinking. And I connected with my affair partner again. Although I thought I'd really hit bottom this time. I thought that being honest with Mark would hurt him even more and ensure a divorce. So I didn't tell him
0: because I thought we were moving toward reconciliation. We moved back in together while on a cycling, cycling trip across Missouri. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. (laughs) He doesn't look like a cyclist. This was a few years ago, cycling trip across Missouri. I asked Nancy some questions about the affair unaware of her relapse and answers were not adding up and I got suspicious I snooped around on her computer and found evidence of her relapse with her affair partner I confronted her she confessed and this time she told me about the emotional affair she had had with a church staff member again I was betrayed I was very hurt very angry and we separated again
1: While separated the second time, I was unfaithful again with yet another person. Now I felt stripped of any sense of who I was and was at my very lowest and loneliest yet. What was I doing? How long was I going to continue this insanity? It was in my apartment, not knowing which way to look or turn, when suddenly it became personal between God and me which was what God wanted all along. I fell to the floor in grief and humbleness, calling out to him. I was finally beginning to see myself in the reality of my sin and the pain I'd caused my family. At this point, I got up and I visualized a circle on the floor. I tearfully stepped into that imagined circle. I called it the honest circle. I asked God to forgive me, knowing he was right there. In that moment, I didn't feel shame. I made a vow to him. I committed to live within that honest circle with him and to pay attention to when I may be heading toward living in denial or outside of reality. This was the true beginning of my commitment to rebuild my life with God, my trust with Mark, my trust with Mark, and getting to know Jesus for the first time. God's word promises in Proverbs twenty three eighteen. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off.
0: So when I found out about the last latest affair, I knew I was finished with the marriage. And I just wanted out. Nancy did not. This was not the life I wanted for myself, nor what I had planned for myself. I was afraid to try restoring our marriage again, only to be hurt again. Yet I never felt God was giving me permission to divorce her. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And then Jeremiah 10 says, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. I wanted to do what I'd always done, which is take charge, take matters in my own hands and take charge of my own life. It seemed like the right thing to do. I was angry with both God and Nancy, and I resented the pain. Very reluctantly, I agreed to try reconciliation again. A couple years later, I was triggered when Nancy wanted to attend a small event where her affair partner would be. I got angry, loaded up the car with my stuff, and I drove to Dallas. I did two things right. I found a Christian counselor. And I started divorce care at a little church on Coit and LBJ. I wrote her an email as part of divorce care asking for forgiveness for my piece of the crappy marriage, for my pride, and for my anger. At the end of my email, I said, But I still want a divorce. Days later, Nancy asked to meet with me, and I agreed to meet, thinking I could talk her into a friendly divorce. We met for over three hours. In McAllister, Oklahoma, at Pete's Cafe, if you know it, and she would not agree to a divorce. This placed me in a position to be the one to end the marriage. And Nancy was gentle, and she said she believed God had better things for a marriage, she wanted to work out our, mar- our marriage, work out marriage with me. I could see that Nancy was willing to suffer for our marriage, and that she was different. I was struggling between hardening my heart versus forgiving. I thought I would throw her a curveball that she couldn't hit. And when she swung and missed, I could say, See, this is why we should get divorced. I said, The only, and here's the curveball the only thing I'm willing to do is let you come with me to my counselor in Dallas one session at a time with no promises. She hit my curveball. And I said, and I said, "Wow! I was surprised at her response, and and angry at myself that I offered the option. <laughs> I painted myself into a corner, and now I had to go to counseling with her, <laughs> which which we did. A few few weeks later, out of curiosity, this is honest, out of curiosity only." We attended here at Reengage, and I sat right there, and we heard a testimony from a couple that had been married and divorced from each other three times, and I said, good night. I thought if if God could heal them, then maybe it's possible for him to heal us. I was really struggling with forgiving Nancy, but now my struggle was with God. How could God allow this to happen to me? Was he sovereign? After much wrestling with God, I began to see my own pride and my own arrogance in wanting life my way. I thought about what Christ did for me, and I was a rebel, just like Nancy. I could never pay for my sin, but here I was demanding Nancy to pay for the sin she committed against me. She could never repay me for the hurt. She gave me, and I had a choice to make. I could trust God, or I could continue down the road of hardening my heart. In Matthew 6, everybody in here knows the passage where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, when you pray, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against, the, against us. I thought, if I did not forgive her, how was I ever going to say the Lord's Prayer again and truly mean it?
1: I'd been thinking that my main issue was escaping from struggles. It turns out that those things were just symptoms of my pride, people-pleasing, and lack of trust in God. I started understanding that living honestly is when true freedom begins. One step at a time with Christ's help, and with wise friends, I began living in that honest circle for the first time in my life. I finally believed that God was the only one who could cleanse me, restore me, and love me completely. And that Mark couldn't do that like Christ could. I've come to understand that trying to keep peace, to have connection at all costs, was not loving others well. And my pattern of quitting in relational conflict with Mark was actually preventing him from learning how to love, too. So just a side note, um, during that, oh, my gosh, third separation, um, I kept getting this, like, thought in my mind, and, and it happened a lot. I was in a dark room, Dark room, pitch black, alone, nothing in it. And the door outside uh, to the hallway was slightly cracked, and there was light coming out of that cracked doorway, and just like this beam of light coming in. And I knew that that meant there was still hope for a marriage. And I clung to that hope, regardless of what Mark might respond to with that, because I didn't
0: respond well.
1: <laughs> I regret what it took to break me and the things I was blind to in myself, but I'm grateful for how my heart has changed. Becoming truly broken has caused me to have a desire to know God and his character. I started reading my Bible because I wanted to. I have more of a desire to turn toward him for truth and his promises rather than for my, to my own escape routes. I had expended an immense amount of energy trying to do things my way. I know I'm not guaranteed a pain-free life, but God's showing me the joy that comes from being willing to suffer and sacrificially love, just as Christ did. I'm seeing that in my personal and marriage struggles, God shows up as he shows me how to love well. I don't always do it well, but... I can still move and I can still move towards self-protection, pride and resentment, but struggles push me more towards seeking God for strength when relationships are st- are difficult. My past was marked with a longing to be known. Now, surrendering to and trusting God is more of my focus. God's not looking to set us up. He's looking to set us free. My definition of freedom in my marriage has slowly changed from freedom from struggles or pain to leaning in Christ for my confidence and strength. It's through the trials, pain, and struggles where I've experienced growth and strength with my relationship
0: in Christ. So here's our, well, that is not the picture I thought was going to be up there, but that's good. There's our family uh, still together a few years ago. And that's what Satan wanted to destroy. I'm glad we didn't give up on our marriage and miss the experience of God's redeeming grace in our lives. I have learned what I did to make infidelity infidelity, uh, possible. And Nancy and I have learned how to handle conflict much, much better. We still struggle. We still struggle. And there still is occasional pain. But we embrace our brokenness. And let God's mercy and grace guide us in a new way of doing life together. Thanks for letting us share.